Hey everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Sound and Worship Podcast. As you know, we are in the Worship Music Objection series right now. And today's topic, if uh, if you looked at the title of this episode, is What If the Lyrics Are Good? It's a common question that comes up, so we're going to talk about that. Um, we're going to talk about what makes lyrics good and, and kind of look and see if lyrics are actually good when people say they are. We're going to consider, you know, even if the lyrics are good, what other factors come into play. We'll go through some Facebook posts and comments uh, from our Facebook page and answer an email that came in. Looking forward to getting into this content. But first, I wanted to talk about a family by the name of the Frasers. Uh, specifically, I, I've had a lot of good conversations with Troy. And you may know who I'm talking about uh, just by those names there, Troy Frazier. But uh, he and his wife, Elise and Joel, have a, uh, a podcast kind of studio set up called Revive Studios, where they have a few podcasts that they put out. Revive Thoughts is one of them. Mars and Missionaries is another one. And they also have a daily devotional that comes out. But I wanted to tell you about something that Troy and his wife and his family are, are what they're going to be a part of. And they're actually going to Cambodia to be teachers. And I've got a little blurb for them pulled up. And uh, I'm going to mispronounce this, I'm sure. But they're going to be in Phnom Penh, Cambodia. That's how I'm going to pronounce it. Troy will be serving as a chapel teacher and as a speech teacher at Stepping Stone International. He'll also be helping out the local church that supports the school. And Elise will be serving as a teacher at the school as well. She'll be working as the school librarian as well as teaching English to students in small classroom settings. And that little blurb came from their fundraising website, which I will have a link uh, in a couple of links there in the in the show notes. But there's a couple of ways you can give to them if you would like to. There's one where you can make a recurring uh, donation and there's one where you can make just a, a donation of any amount and that will kind of help them get started but check out those links that is for the Frasers that are heading to Cambodia and also check out Revive Thoughts and, and the other podcast on Revive Studios uh, I've actually narrated a couple of episodes on Revive Thoughts Troy and Joe were really great to work with uh, I've had several conversations with Troy and uh, he's just a, a good guy and uh, I've enjoyed every conversation I've had with him. So uh, go and help them out if you if you feel led to do so. Let's get into our first topic. So first off, what makes lyrics good? And one of the things about lyrics is they're obviously produced by a writer of a song, right? Lyrics just, they don't just land on a page. You know, in a sense, when David was writing the Psalms, he was led by the Holy Spirit, and the, those words were definitely inspired by the Holy Spirit, right? But what I'm talking about is is worship music and the lyrics that make their way into worship music songs. There's always going to be a writer, which means there's always going to be a someone someone behind the pen or in our day and age behind the phone or the keyboard or wherever that writer is writing their lyrics. 
And that person is always going to have theological beliefs. They may have sound theological beliefs. And of course, we're going to disagree on minor issues and, and even major issues, which have put us into different camps and, and that kind of thing. But the theology of the writer is always going to come through. So that is something to keep in mind. I am a, uh, a Protestant, right? That's the broadest form of what I would say. I attend a Baptist church, and I would have many differences with a Roman Catholic because of their views on justification. So if I know a song is written by a Roman Catholic, I know what theology that they're coming from. And it would be hard for me to go along with singing a worship song written by a Roman Catholic. And you may just think, well, that is just crazy. Well, we'll talk about why, you know, I have some arguments there that I'd like to present to you. But before we get further on in this topic, we have an email to go to. So let's go and check that out. So we have an email from Patty. And Patty had a good question, and I just wanted to kind of give an honest answer to it. Obviously, I don't. I try not to give out last names, but Patty B would be the last initial. So, Patty, if you're listening, thanks for listening to the podcast, and I'm gonna do my best to answer your question as best that I can. Uh, I also like to remind listeners that I am not your pastor. I'm not even a pastor at all. Um, I just I'm passionate about worship music and worshiping in spirit and truth, and kind of the issues that are common in the worship music world. But any advice or anything that I would give, definitely check with your local pastor. You know, I you don't need to come to me as if I'm giving you a bunch of wisdom. Um, your local pastor would be the place to go to get solid, solid advice. But Patty writes and says, I recently saw your interview with Dorian Virtue. And I'm a little bit confused about your advice on not listening to the songs that certain artists sing. I see songs that you recommend that are also sung by artists that you do not recommend. What if you don't exactly know who is singing the song? So to answer that question, I assume that Patty is asking, you know, if someone writes a song and then another artist who is not sound sings that song, then what do you do? Well, that is kind of a nuanced thing, right? So, you know, Hillsong, they sing hymns that are written um, from artists from hundreds of years ago. And, you know, with this topic, I always try not to make a law where there is no law. You know, I'm not someone that can make a law first off, but uh, I, I try not to make a law where there is no law. It's kind of going to be a judgment call. So say you're you're wanting to sing a hymn at church and, uh, Hill, you know, Hillsong covers that hymn. Well, you can't do anything about that. And you know, that's not a reason to not use that hymn. Now, you may not cite Hillsong's version of the hymn uh, on the screen if you do, you know, say they've done a rendition of it or something like that. I personally wouldn't do that. But it's kind of going to be a judgment call. Um, and then the specific part of her question is, what if you don't exactly know who is singing the song? Uh, I would ensure that you do know, right? Um, and now, while you're in a church service, you are not always going to know every single song uh, and every single artist that's being sung. You know, that's kind of a judgment call on your end. If In that situation, uh, if you're at a church and, you know, you're worshiping God in truth and the lyrics are true, I couldn't say that it would be wrong that you're singing that song 
you know, in the worship service, as long as the lyrics are true and, you know, if, if you don't know who wrote it and that kind of thing. The problem doesn't really come there. It comes from when churches use music from resources and they're paying these resources via CCLI if they're doing things right. And these churches are basically promoting that music by using it and helping those ministries grow when there's so, so many other songs out there. Um, it's not like Bethel and Hillsong and Elevation are the only choices in worship music. That's just not the case. So really the problem comes there. I think it's a judgment call. I don't think it's impossible to worship in spirit and truth with good lyrics of someone that you don't know who wrote the song. That's a really good question. But I would say once you know, you know, it's hard for me to keep singing that song. Um, and again, this is not like a law or anything like that. It's it's uh, it's going to come down to your convictions. But that's kind of the the answer I would give on that one. So that's a good question, Patty. And I appreciate you asking that. So moving on, a lot of people ask this, right? The title of this episode, well, what if the lyrics are good? And the first thing that comes to my mind a lot of times is, well, are the lyrics actually good? Because they're not necessarily, right? They're not necessarily good. Uh, just because someone, you know, maybe it passes an initial sniff test, right? You're just breezing through the lyrics, but... What if the lyrics contain, you know, my weapon is a melody? Like, that's like, you just didn't notice that. Or if someone comes up to you and says, you know, raise a hallelujah, has good lyrics. Well, you know, we've got into last time how your weapon is not a melody. So the lyrics may not actually be good. Good lyrics are true. So worship music has to have true lyrics in order to be good lyrics, because we have to worship God in truth. God is truth. He reveals truth to us. His word is our standard of truth. So we have to make sure the lyrics are actually true and actually good. That's a very important thing. And there's a couple of Facebook posts that that kind of came up for this topic during the week. I should say, I guess, Facebook posts, but then the comments on those. And I won't reveal who these people are, um, but I may give a first name or something like that. But a, a, a really good comment that came up, I'll go ahead and give a name actually, uh, was from somebody named Jeremy. It kind of made me ask a, an overall question uh, that you could ask somebody when they say, well, what if the lyrics are good? You might ask the person, what is so good about the lyrics? I think that's a really good question. And so if I pull up this Facebook post, and so this comment comes from the post that I put out basically announcing the last episode, the first in this series of worship music objections. And if you haven't listened to that episode, uh, I encourage you to, to listen to it after this. You don't have to listen to that one first necessarily uh, to get the, the gist of the whole series. But this comment comes from Jeremy, and he says, you know, he has in quotes what some people often say. They say, well, I eat the meat, but spit out the bones. And just thinking about that statement, it's really interesting that people would say that. They're, they're basically saying that they have to do a lot of work when uh, using worship music because they're able to get something good out of songs that are not completely good. 
That's how I interpret that, at least. But he goes on to make some good points. He says, but it's usually said by someone who commits zero discernment to it, i.e., once I listened to a new song and tied message from a popular megachurch with a close friend who was a fan of that church. And both the song and message had some highly questionable words and phrases, some very out-of-context verses, and breakdowns of the theme that could only be achieved by serious reaching or stretching. I sat there and took notes but stayed quiet. When it was done, I said, okay, so what were the bones? They couldn't point anything out. They just internalized everything as they normally would. So much for eating meat and spitting out the bones. I just thought that was a really good and accurate comment uh, because, yeah, a lot of people, they'll say that the lyrics are good and they, they're really not good. They're, you know, once you ask someone politely to really think about the lyrics of a song, they may not even be able to tell you what part of the lyrics are good. So if you just, you know, politely ask somebody, well, yeah, I, I see that you like Raise a Hallelujah. You know, what is it about that song that you like? And they may not be able to, to tell you. And that may make them think. Uh, and this, you know, this whole objective is not about making someone feel bad or something like that. You know, the goal would be to, to make them think and say, hey, you know, maybe I actually need to look into worship music lyrics a little bit more. Maybe... I need to consider the sources that I'm using for worship music. Maybe it actually matters. That would be the goal in, in what this whole series is about. So I thought, thought that was a, uh, a good, good comment there. Had another comment that, you know, I had a respectful disagreement with, with this person, and I won't cite their name, but they basically, their overall comment was, and it, it was on, I posted an excerpt this week basically about the whole my weapon is a melody thing. It's an excerpt of last week's episode and just talking about how our weapon's not a melody. Um, you know, it's and I gave some argumentation there about how that just doesn't align with scripture. We're not commanded to search for a specific melody for that to be our weapon. And I had good conversations with my friends over at the Bomb and Gilead podcast about that too. Brian and Grant and, and just some of the points that they were making were really good. And Brian asked a really good question. You said, you know, he, he said, when we go to heaven, we'll obviously still use melodies, right? When we worship the Lord. And will that be a weapon? And the answer is, of course it won't, because we won't need a weapon uh, in heaven. There will be no sin there. There won't be a need for a weapon. Uh, so, Obviously, there wouldn't be any fighting or anything like that. So we won't need a weapon. So how is it a weapon here on earth, but not there? So I, I thought that was a, a good take on it. And then Grant was you know, asking some really good, I, I call them presuppositional uh, worship music questions because I'm really, I'm a fan of presuppositional apologetics. But just asking, you know, what is the standard what what's your standard? And you're making these claims about the lyrics of this music, and you're making claims about worship music. And a good question to ask people is, what's your standard? You say that you like this about worship music. Well, why? What what is your standard? What do you go to to define worship music? And of course, we have to go to God's word to do that. So, I thought those were great questions. But the comment that brought those questions and 
kind of conversations on was, I use music and the words to soften my heart and increase my faith. The song is beautiful. This is talking about Raise a Hallelujah. The song is beautiful and moves my heart to sing and trust God. And this next slide was what really made me think about the argument that this person was given. And it is, don't quibble over words, my fellow Christian. And that made me just stop and say, words matter. That's what this whole podcast is about, is about good lyrics, all right? So the the words obviously do matter. I'm sure you can think of something right now that is preached and passed along by words, and that would be the gospel. The gospel is made up of words. Of course, the entire scriptures are made up of words. So words do matter. To say that we shouldn't quibble over words, I would just say we have to be able to critique each other's words and and really think about what words mean and what lyrics mean. And I was looking at Bible verses about words, and I thought this passage really really had some something good for us here on this topic. And it's Matthew 12, 35 through 37. And it says, and it's Jesus speaking, he says, the good person brings out of his good treasure good things, and the evil person brings out of his evil treasure evil things. But I tell you that for every careless word that people speak, they will give an account of it on the day of judgment. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. And that made me think about my own words, especially the the careless words that people speak. That convicted me, you know, just to really guard my tongue. And it also goes with the scripture that says we should be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. It just made me think about that. You know, there's, I think, you know, I, I know I'm speaking for myself. I can't speak for you, but I could always do better at that of, of just really opening in my mouth when I need to and being patient and really thinking about what needs to be said and, and moving on with loving motives when I talk to others. So I thought that was a really applicable passage there on this topic. And another thing to bring up when someone, you know, and I think this is probably even the the more strong argument against this question of what if the lyrics are good, and that is even if the lyrics are good, the source matters. And if you spent any time on soundandworship.com, you would see that kind of uh, you know argumentation come up that the source does matter. It comes back to who a church is promoting, like we were talking about earlier. If a church is promoting Bethel music in all their songs by basically giving them free advertising, and um, you know, I don't know how many times I've gone over this in this podcast, but when a church uses music, the congregation will go and look up that music later if they liked it. And it's just an invitation to go check out that ministry. And so churches really need to think about who, what music are they using? And it's, it's a common problem, obviously, that comes up a lot. So the truth is that church leaders choose music that is popular and engaging, and that really reveals their motives. And that's going to be an entire episode next week that I'll announce kind of the subject of that at the end. The source matters. You know, there's plenty of other artists to choose from. And if you're choosing sources that are from ministries that are 
false teaching uh, and being deceptive, then, you know, why? It, it's just like you're purposely using music that is going towards something that is against God, that is full of false teaching. Why? Why don't, I don't understand why churches, why would, why would you do this? And another question that I like to ask on this when people bring this up and uh, it's something that comes up a lot on our uh, Sound and Worship Worship Music Discussions group on Facebook. And that is what if a, you know, what if the song was written by the Mormon Tabernacle? Or what if it was written from, from a um, Muslim? All the lyrics checked out. They just used God vaguely in the lyrics. They, they just said God is great and things like that. The entire lyrics, it passed the sniff test, but it was a super popular Mormon song. Do you really want people running to that kind of ministry when they figure out that's where the song came from? I mean, the other, the opposite way to view that would be to think that it doesn't matter what the source is at all. It, it could come from an atheist, anybody. There's no boundaries. It can come from any source. It does not matter at all. And I just think that that is, is not true. I think the source matters for several reasons that we've just talked about. Who is your church promoting? Who are you promoting when you post music on Facebook for your friends to see? What movement are you helping to grow and of course, the Bethel movement, it does look like it's still growing, sadly. Uh, by that same token, though, when I see that our Facebook group is growing and I see other, you know, more and more Christians talking about this topic, that makes me really happy. And I'm, I'm so glad to see that, too. So I, I think that even though the Bethel movement is still growing, and I wish it would stop, obviously, there are people who are starting to think about worship music. And that's great. Uh, you know, I would love for sound and worship to basically either be obsolete, just not needed anymore. Uh, you know, the entire body of Christ is just, they're not supporting false teaching ministries and they're making sure that the lyrics are true and they're checking the motives of why they're choosing songs. I would love for that to happen. Uh, if, you know, if sound and worship was obsolete, that would be fine. Or, or maybe we would just uh, do something completely different finding new great songs or something like that, that would be fine. I would love if that were to happen because the only reason that Sound and Worship exists is I was the same person as this series would be pointed to. If you were to tell me that, you know, uh, four or five years ago that worship music was serious and the sources mattered, I would have been like, Why? Like, why? What's it matter? You know, I've, I've had elderly people tell me that Hillsong was something to watch out for. And I just thought, well, they're not, they're being fuddy duds. They're not, they're just, they don't like the new style of music. And that's just not the case. Uh, but I, just going through some of this argumentation that's in this series, I feel like it would be things that I could have presented to my old self to really make that person think about worship music. And also to encourage that person, if they're thinking about worship music and starting to, to, to think, take things more seriously, take their walk with Christ more seriously, take the Word of God more seriously, 
that has much greater impacts than just their worship music. It, it may make a person really think about what's going on and glory to God when that happens. So that's what this series is kind of about. The lyrics do matter. And to the point I was talking about earlier about making sure that we're polite and um, you know loving with our argumentation, I thought of the verse when looking up, you know, verses around that topic. Ephesians 4:29 really stood out to me. It says, "Let no unwholesome word come out of your mouth, but if there is any good word for edification, according to the need of the moment, say that, so that it will give grace to those who hear." I think obviously that's perfect for us to just meditate on that it, to give grace to those who hear. Not to be a jerk, not to say, ha, you know, my standards for worship music are so much better than yours. <laughs> a lot of good that's going to do. Uh, you're, you're handing that person that you're presenting your argument with. And I say argument not in the, obviously, the jerk sense, but the actual sense of the word argument. You're, you're telling that person, um, basically, don't take me seriously because I'm a jerk. You know, how often do we see comments on Facebook? How often do we have to guard ourselves and retype what we were typing out because we weren't patient about someone who was asking a question? How quickly do we forget that we were the person that needed to hear the argumentation that we're talking about right now? It happens. People may not have, may not have grown up in a good, solid church, Right, they may be hearing preaching, uh, and they may just not have any idea. They may, they be, maybe that person, they could be the next person that really starts thinking about their walk and thinking about their church and what their pastor is preaching. Is he preaching the word or feel good topical sermons? Is he citing sources from the world and and acting like we should take those seriously instead of the word of God? Is he citing three Bible verses at the beginning of his sermon, or is he expositing the Word of God to his congregation? What is happening? That You might be talking to the next person who starts thinking about those questions. I can tell you a few years ago, I could not have cared less about any word that I just said. Couldn't have cared less. But you have ministries like Wretched Radio, like Justin Peters, like Grace to You, renewing your mind, that graciously present the truth to people. And it actually makes a difference. Glory to God for when that happens. So when we talk to people about this topic, if we do so with loving motives, we may actually impact someone's life. All glory to God when that happens. It's because He reveals His truth to us. So, be loving to people. Be patient with people. They may not know. They may, obviously, like I was talking about earlier, they may come from a church that they, they don't, they're not aware is, is preaching basically either false teaching or just very light, fluffy teaching that is not convicting them of sin. That might be what they're under. And I believe what this verse is telling us is that you can edify someone like that who's a true believer that's just not under great teaching. Maybe they're a new Christian. You may edify them 
if you're, you know, talking to what is needed to be said in the need of the moment. That doesn't mean we're always soft. Uh, I believe there's there's a time for everything under the sun, right? Like like it says in Ecclesiastes. But when you're presenting this kind of argumentation, do it lovingly, right? Do it lovingly. Act like you're talking to your old self because I've I've rarely met somebody. I don't know if I've met anybody besides elderly people who just always had this view on worship music. I've met very, very, very few people. It's always the people I meet are always like, yep, I I used to think that too about worship music, used to not care, didn't know this was an issue, and now here I am. You're likely talking to somebody. When someone disagrees with you on this, you're likely talking to somebody like that. You're likely talking to your old self. So be kind to each other. So in conclusion, when someone says the lyrics are good, they may not actually be good. If they are good, the source still matters. You shouldn't have to eat the meat and spit out the bones. We should be singing truth. There are plenty of solid sources churches could be pointing their congregations to. And the next episode that I'll talk about is the topic addicted to Bethel. And I just chose Bethel because they're the main one. We're going to be talking about how a lot of times you'll run into two folks that are just completely enamored with Bethel's teaching or Hillsong's teaching or their music, elevation, that kind of thing. And there's only so much you can do. But we'll talk about what that looks like and what kind of things we can say to that person. What kind of impact can be made? How should we go about it? We'll talk about that on the next episode. If you haven't done so yet, go uh, check out the Sound and Worship Worship Music Discussions group on Facebook. When you join, I ask that you just please answer the questions. A lot of people hit the join button and just they're, they don't do anything after that. So you have to answer the questions so we know who you are. Not your personal, it's not personal questions, obviously, but just questions about faith and just very broad uh, questions that would separate a believer from a non-believer, that kind of thing. So head over and check that out. The group is growing rapidly lately. Uh, We're up to like over 1,100 people as I record this podcast. So that's really great. Uh, And the group's not even a year old yet. It's getting close to it, but it's just awesome that there's so many people that are uh, concerned about worship music. So it's just so great to see that. So go and check that out. If you want to, head over to our Facebook page as well. Give us a like. We really appreciate when you, uh, you know, I, I, I would say I really appreciate when you share this content. It helps the, the mission of Sound and Worship go out. And we need all the help we can get there. Uh, the, the people that are in the, the uh, group that we have on Facebook have such a great impact. I just consider them a part of Sound and Worship, you know. Uh, It's not anything super formal or anything like that, but when I say we, that's what I mean. So Sound and Worship could use that help. Share the content. Please share this podcast with your friends and family. Uh, I know a lot of times people will say, or, or, you know, kind of the broad thing when I started producing content for Sound and Worship was, 
A lot of people may not want to hear argumentation directly from you. Say you have a family member or an acquaintance that is all about Bethel music, you may point them to Sound and Worship so they can hear from someone beside you, right? Uh, I know uh, a lot of times family members don't want to listen to other family members, right? Like, if you're being honest, you're that person too sometimes. You're like, ah, you know, cousin or uncle or whatever, you're you're a family member. You know, this is going in one ear and out the other. So check out Sound and Worship, pass it along to your friends and family. Appreciate all the help there. And you guys have a great rest of your week or weekend and worship the Lord in spirit and truth on Sunday morning. God bless.